This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Fire up for pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We play some competitive sports once in a while, wouldn't it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. As Jesse said in the break, we're doing our own primetime version of the Hot Five at Five right here. <laughs> it went way over last segment. Way over. Well, we've been going over the whole show, and I just haven't corrected it. So I'm going to try to correct it here. We've got four minutes. We're going to get it. We've been on time for, for the past. We've been, we haven't had a problem with the clock for, for a while. while. So I think we're I think we're okay with being just over just a little bit once. I mean, this is pretty bad. This is we're this is pretty awful. <laughs> it's it's almost time to break. I know. <laughs> this is this is true prime time right here. Coming back to the segment at the break time for that segment. This is true prime time. I've been taught really poorly, <laughs> taught really or really well, or really well, depending on how you want to say it. Um, I do want to get into some of the rookies that are coming out this year and just kind of expand my thoughts on them or hear what Rashad has to say or Jesse has to say about these guys because I just there's just something about the class this year it was so hyped up and everyone was so into especially Darnold and Rosen and it's you know extended this year especially with Mayfield winning the Heisman but it's been one of those years especially watching the Pac-12 and watching college football as a whole where I was just not impressed by the quarterback play Really across the board. Now, I was super impressed by Baker Mayfield. But beyond him, it was a lot of meh. And I'm not 100% sold that Baker Mayfield is going to be a successful NFL quarterback. I know that we're kind of reaching this point where the style of quarterbacking in college is so different than what works in the NFL that we're reaching the point where there's fewer and fewer guys that I feel like instantly fit in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I, I, we've talked about this for a couple of years where I'm worried about when offenses in college change so much that nobody seems to match. This includes the lines, by the way, really, that's actually the most important part is offensive defensive lines are getting smaller in college and the NFL is not following suit with that. So a lot of guys coming in who are on the offensive line, especially on the offensive line are failing in the NFL because they're not in a style of team that plays the same way as the NFL plays. And they, play a lot of shotgun plays and all that kind of stuff. So it just doesn't work very well. Remember the draft where we had Luke Jokel and Eric Fisher get drafted first and second overall. Mm -hmm. And neither of those guys have turned out to be solid. Especially Jokel has been a complete bust. And then Fisher, I think switched to the different side of the line because he just wasn't effective on the left side. Um, so we're, we're kind of seeing that now. And now, to me, Sam Darnold is the guy who would fit in an NFL system the most. He's got the measurables of it. You know, he's tall. He's got a good arm. You know, he's big body. But given all the talent in the world at USC this year, minus injuries, of course, were you that impressed by Sam Darnold? Not really. 
I, I kind of said it a lot on on the shows. Like, I feel like he just makes a lot of mistakes. Like, I mean, and I'm not sure if it's just the gunslinger in him or if he's just really not reading defenses and just kind of throwing the ball to his really athletic receivers at USC and just hoping for the best. That's kind of what I get from Sam Donald. So, yes, I, I'd like to stop. I, I think the NFL scouts and Kuyper and all these guys, McShay, they need to get away from the measurables. I hate that term. Oh, he's got all the measurable. He's, you know, six foot five. He's got a big body. He's, he can, hey man, can he play football? Bottom line. Like at the end of the day, like, is he able to go out there and make plays for his team? Is he able to be a leader for his team? Those are things that are important. Jamarcus Russell had every single measurable. He could run. He was big. He could throw. He was first overall. Man, he was not a leader. He was not a good quarterback. And it cost the Oakland Raiders a lot of – they never they, – they up until uh, Derek Carr haven't been able to rebuild, trying to find that guy that was supposed to be the next whoever. Man, how many times have we seen all the Brady Quinns, the big guy, and he's got all the arm strength, and eh, he doesn't pan out in the end. That happens but, all But the you know time. who does? Russell Wilson. Jimmy Clausen. Remember how much everyone loved Jimmy Clausen? Absolutely. And, and, and what did Snooze. he do? Absolutely nothing. But then you look at the uh, Deshaun Watson. Oh, he's not the best quarterback in this draft. I don't, he doesn't have all the measurables. He just happened to be the best rookie quarterback out of any of them this year. Russell Wilson. Oh, man. Five foot ten, maybe six feet. I don't know if he's got a top five quarterback in the NFL. Drew Brees. Oh, man. This small guy. I don't know how long he'll be able to play in the NFL. He's 39 and still throwing for 5,000 yards a year. Well, what's crazy, so, too, is when you think about the especially the Mariota Winston draft, which was a surefire. Like, oh, you're getting future guys here. Those two guys are struggling right now. Goff and 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 uh, Wentz are the guys. You yep. know what I mean? Like, the, but they, they could also not be the guys next year because we saw just last year we were like, oh, Mariota and Winston, they're ready to pop. Let's go. We're getting into what is it, year four for them now. We're getting into it. It's time for them to pop. And then this year, both of them have massive struggles. And Goff and Wentz could have that happen to them too. Now, I, look, Wentz looked to me like amazing, right? But where did they get Wentz? The FCS level, right? They didn't go to a big school to get Wentz. They didn't go to the typical college football. They got him from North Dakota. And Goff looked horrific in year one, probably mostly due to Jeff Fisher. But he came back under uh, McVay this year and looked amazing. But it it's becoming less and less frequent is what I'm saying. And maybe maybe the best way to look at it now is which guy performed the best on the field that also looks like he could throw the football well. Yeah. To be actually because that's Deshaun Watson, right? Deshaun Watson was not being talked about as the best in the in the in the NFL draft, but he wasn't relying on his legs. He was on one of the best teams who ran probably more of a normal offense, quote unquote, in Clemson, more of a pro style offense, and looked amazing mm. in his college career. Who is that this year? Who looked really good, who played in a more pro style offense that looks like they could fit? Who is that? It's really not, maybe not a pro style offense, but I mean. Well, I th I think we're missing something though. Baker, me, Baker yeah, Mayfield, maybe. I, I mean, I I would say that, except Baker Mayfield, and this is something I know for a fact, has only t like only took three snaps under center this year. Right. Like he he just doesn't. That that doesn't mean like that doesn't mean anything though, because you think about it, the top quarterbacks in the NFL this year, uh, like guys like Kirk Cousin, Tom Brady, are in the top five, top six of taking snaps out of the shotgun. So they are the NFL is. 
changing because of because of the guys coming in. They're like, okay, we got to that partially. I mean, that's not what Tom Brady's been though. Like, and it's I mean, Kirk Cousins is a guy that can play under center, but there are just so many advantages to not playing under center now. Also, there's we talked about earlier, man, such smaller offensive lines. Yeah, and so it gives them a lot more time to be able to make plays and throw it from that position. So, I think a guy like Baker Mayfield, if we're talking about like that, man, he's been of the quarterbacks that are available now, man, he's probably the one that I would roll with. Am I missing anybody? Because Josh Rosen played well but was hurt a lot. Sam Darnold didn't play well. Josh Allen didn't play well. Mayfield played really well. Here's what I like about Mayfield, though. It's not just that he played well. It's that this is a guy, like, think about the story of guys like, okay, um, Dak Prescott, uh, a fourth rounder, uh, Russell Wilson, a third rounder, uh, Tom Brady, a sixth rounder. Now, um, that's not going to happen to Baker Mayfield, but think about it. It's already happened to this guy. This guy had to walk on to Oklahoma. He had to walk on to Oklahoma, and he walked on to one of the best programs in college football. Because he was at Texas Tech. Because he was at Texas Tech, walked on to Oklahoma, won the starting job, won a Heisman, took him to the Final Four. Like, this is a guy that, to me, is, despite the fact he's short, despite the fact this, despite the fact that he went on, he proved himself, won the job, won games, he's a winner. That's one thing I want, and he's had to fight for it. Just like Deshaun Watson was a winner. Just like he was a winner. He had to fight for everything. Deshaun Watson, he's not accurate enough. This, that, three quarterbacks taken before him last year. What's he do? Comes out, proves he's the best quarterback. You guys missed. Congratulations, Cleveland. You missed again. I can't believe they took Deshaun Kaiser over Deshaun Watson. We knew that when they did it. We were like, what are you doing, you idiots? But, yeah, you're right. Josh Rosen, as good as he is, UCLA has been bad with him at quarterback. Sam Darnold, as good as he is, USC has been good, but not great. Um, and they've gotten – last year they were the best team in the Pac-12 at the end of the year, quote-unquote. And they probably were, but uh, obviously they didn't start off the year very well. Uh, Wyoming didn't win this year. So you're right. Some of it is a winner thing. you got to win. And uh, and that's one of the things with Lamar Jet. Louisville doesn't win all his games. Mm-mm. He uh, I, Yeah, and I can see that. Like, like I, He throws I like for big- like 600 yards, but they lose. I uh- – <laughs> I love I love Baker Mayfield over Lamar Jackson. The thing is, is if you do what I said as far as taking a tackle in the first and you don't have another first-round pick, you, you have to settle on a guy like Lamar Jackson. All right, we got a break. We'll get back on clock here. Uh, coming up next, coaching hires that we know of, which are all of them, uh, which are our favorites? Who do you think is going to be able to bounce back with their guy, and who are you a little bit worried about? That's coming up next. And I hate to love it at 1030. This is Football Sunday on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, so we now know what the head coach will be of all of the teams who fired their head coaches. They've all been made official except for the Colts and the uh, Lions, but they are waiting for Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia to be done in their playoff run for the Patriots. McDaniels is going to be the Colts head coach. Matt Patricia is going to be the Lions head coach. Uh, the other ones that have been hired, I'm probably going to forget some right off the top of my head here, but um, you had Pat Shermer go to the Giants. You had uh, Mike Vrabel go to the Titans. You had uh, John Gruden go to the Raiders. Am I forgetting any already? Uh, oh, God. Oh, you had um, Matt Nagy or Nagy go to the Bears. And you had the defensive coordinator from the 
Panthers go to the Cardinals. Am I forgetting any? I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, so, yeah, those are all the new head coaches. Obviously, the most notable being John Gruden going to the Raiders. But uh, the one that I'm most interested in, to be honest, is Mike Vrabel going to the Titans. And partially because I love Mariota and I want to see him succeed. But I think that's just such an interesting case of these are – this is a team in the Titans who have had a head coach in Mike Malarkey who is so old school in his style that he was doing – him and his offensive coordinator and Robisky were doing nothing but stifling Mariota in, in his career and his improvement going forward. Now, Mike Vrabel is a defensive guy. He is one of the most highly regarded younger coaches in the league. Mm -hmm. He was rising very high in the coaching game very fast. Um, I mean, we watch Mike Vrabel play. We know Mike Vrabel. And he seems to be kind of the defensive Sean McVay, if, if you will. He's got the energy on the sideline. It seems like he's willing to kind of stretch what you know about how defenses are run. Um, but he's not the guy to hire to get Mariota to work. Now, he needs to find a guy offensive coordinator-wise who is going to be willing to work around Mariota, not put Mariota in a in a puzzle piece and fit him into a pro-style offense. Uh, we don't know who that's going to be yet. He tried to get a guy from Ohio State who used to coach Mariota, I believe, and uh, he said no, he was going to stay at Ohio State, but he's looking for any sort of offensive coordinator who has a very college-style system that Mariota will be able to run. That's who I'm most interested in seeing if he succeeds. Because the Titans have a good roster. They do. They just need the right coach to run it. Yeah. Um, I, I listened to Mike Vrabel's uh, introduction the other day as head coach of the Tennessee Titans. And I'll be real. It didn't <laughs> it didn't sound like somebody that really knows what he wants to do. As you think he was nervous, maybe? I don't want to say it was it was nerves, but... It was they they asked him about you know uh, getting an offensive coordinator and really um, making sure he can help Mariota along with his growth and uh, the answer he kind of gave was like oh yeah you know we're looking for someone to hopefully try to help him like he didn't know exactly what type of offense they wanted to run maybe he did and just played it kind of close to the chest on some you know Belichick type stuff he is from the school of Belichick so it, it would make sense for him to kind of play that close to the chest but. I'm just – that's my big concern. The the one thing we know is that Marcus Mariota definitely needed someone to come in and help him run an offense and become a better quarterback and maybe take that leap until that into that elite quarterback conversation that we kind of keep hoping he can be in at some point. But I just don't know if this defensive-minded coach is the one to do that. Now, mind you, you can go out and get a great offensive coordinator that really changes the fortunes of Mariota. That's the key. That's the hope, you know, is that that's what you're going to do. But for the most part, it just looks like you just, you know, replaced a, a defensive-minded head coach with another defensive-minded head coach. And I don't know how well that, that it's going to work just yet. Like, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to reserve judgment until they get an offensive coordinator. So who are you, out of the coaches who were hired, then most interested in seeing? I, I want to see McDaniels. I want to see what McDaniels does. I want to see what he's able to do with hopefully a healthy Andrew Luck um, with a pretty good receiver in T.Y. Hilton. Um, uh, they still have some offensive line issues, but maybe – I think the Patriots have some offensive line issues, and they've always had some offensive line issues. And I think a guy like McDaniels is able to kind of win in spite of having all those issues up front. So I'm, I'm curious to see what he's able to do in that incredibly winnable AFC South um, – with the best quarterback in that division with Andrew Luck. So I'm really curious to see what uh, what the, the Colts are able to do. Now, do you think that McDaniels will have success 
if Andrew Luck continues to be hurt? No. Do you think he – well, because he's a really good offensive mind, mm-hmm. right? Do you think he'd be able to create an offense there that would work well enough if Andrew Luck actually continued to have injury issues? Because uh, we, we've it, seen it, him I, do it before in Denver. He's been a head coach once. I think He was really, able to win with Tim Tebow, weirdly. But Tebow could play. I mean, he was. I mean, he was. Right. Was he a great? Was he a great quarterback? On, no. But Tebow, the one thing that he didn't get enough credit for is Tebow was a great football player, and he understood how to play football. And so, man, he made great plays because he knew football. Like that's the, that's my Kaiser Tebow thing. There you go. That's just how I felt about Tebow. I thought I, so we, we saw too. We've much seen of him. him do it before. That was when he was more immature. He said it. Those are his own words. He didn't know what he was doing. Now he's had many years under Bill Belichick to kind of learn how to be a head coach. I'm sure. That will be very beneficial to him. I just am I am very worried about Andrew Luck's shoulder moving forward. I the fact that he's been unhealthy for two years now and he had to go to Europe to get plasma injections and unique special treatment just to try to get it better, that makes me nervous. That makes me think it's not exactly fixable. And sadly, the Colts didn't build a team that Andrew Luck could win with or be protected behind an offensive line because no. they didn't. No, God, they drafted so, so poorly. They're they're really bad. I just I don't know. I'm I'm looking at that Colts team or looking at the fact they have Andrew Luck, and I'm banking on Andrew Luck being healthy. If he's healthy, then I think the the Colts have a real opportunity to kind of turn things around. We've seen Peyton Manning carry that franchise for 15 plus years. You know, we 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 saw what he had to do, and that was with um, below average defense, you know, a, a really good offensive line, but just Peyton Manning just slinging it around. I think Andrew Luck has a lot of that in him. He's been able to show that he can win in this league despite having not a great offensive line, not a great defense. So I think with a healthy Luck and Josh McDaniels, who's one of the most creative offensive minds in the league, I think the Colts could be great. The one coach I'm most nervous about, and maybe this is just hindsight and I'm not, I'm not looking forward about it, but Pat Shermer to the Giants. We've seen him with the Browns not have success. Granted, no one's had success with the Browns, so it's hard to really hold that against him. But, I mean, Pat Shermer was a laughingstock as a head coach of the Browns. He was talked about as being one of the worst head coaches in the league at the time. Now, I know his offense with the Vikings was very good this year. Uh, I know that he was able to essentially continue having a great running game when your number one running back and rookie Dalvin Cook goes out for the year. And he utilized his weapons pretty well. He made Case Keenum a solid quarterback. Sam Bradford was playing well as well. I just, the history of Pat Shermer does not excite me about him being the Giants head coach. It doesn't. And that's who I'm most nervous about. Um, I'm kind of with you. Pat Shermer is not a great head coach, and it shocks me. that the, This is a Jets move. This is a move that the Jets would make. The Giants, you know, have been a relatively smart franchise up until recently, it seems like. You know, the, the McAdoo hire wasn't great. Nope. The way things kind of fell apart with Eli, uh, the Odell Beckham. So, like, it hasn't been great in New York. And a lot of that has to go on Ben McAdoo. Shermer, maybe that, maybe the Browns was just a bad... For everybody. Uh, for, and, and anybody who goes to the Browns, whether you're a coach or a player, unless you play offensive line or you play cornerback or defense or something like that, man, you're offensive... The, Hey, you're going to struggle. That's just 
kind of what it is. It's kind of always what it has been. So I'm going to reserve judgment on Pat Shermer. I'm going to let I'm going to see what a season in New York does for him. A couple seasons. I think it's fair to give coaches a couple seasons. I don't think it's fair to judge people off of one year because what the one thing you're trying to do as a head coach is change the way you've been doing things. So change the culture. Everything that you that you learn. Let's completely wipe, especially when it's such a toxic situation like it was in New York these past couple of years. Man, let's clear everything off the table and start over. And I think that's what he's going to have to do. All right. We are almost back on the clock. There we go. So we'll Told you. A, we will take a break. And coming up next, Jesse will have Hate It or Love It for us. Competition style again. Uh, so we'll explain the rules next. But first, Jesse also. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, it's time for Hater to Love It. That's what that music means. It's a competitive segment. Jesse will ask us a question, and then we'll reward us points or deduct us points based on our answer. Winner gets to host the final segment of the show. So, Jesse, go ahead and get it. Oh, did I win last week? Or did you win I think last week? you won last week. You okay, won last week. so you get yeah. to go first then. Uh, Jesse, go ahead and get us started. Alrighty. Well, uh, let's see. It's kind of a weird week. It's one of those like it's a dead week. Slow, we dead weeks. Yeah. So we'll see what we can do here. Uh, we'll start off with the Browns because the Browns are always an interesting topic of conversation that can uh, always seem to screw things up, right? <laughs> well, may- maybe this year with the first overall pick, the fourth overall pick, they can they can make things happen. But I think one of the f- things that they've done is they obviously have picked the wrong guy and they have a history of always picking the wrong guy. And you're in another year where you need another quarterback and there's quarterbacks. there sitting first overall love or hate. The Browns should not pick a quarterback first overall, and they should take the surefire playmaker Saquon Barkley. Cause they have both the one and the four. Correct? Yes. Um, shoot. I hate, hate it. Um, I just don't want them to ruin any of these kids' lives. Like, to be real, like, I mean, I, I, I really do, as much as we talk bad about Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, at the end of the day, I really want to see them be competitive in the NFL because, you know, we've been watching them for the past couple of years. So I just feel like any quarterback that goes to the Browns has just been doomed, unfortunately. And I just, just but if you're a defensive player, Man, you have a real opportunity to really make an impact and maybe even make a name for yourself, possibly put yourself in a position to get more money once your rookie contract is over. So um, the defense from the the Browns wasn't terrible. They were bad, but they weren't terrible. They got some good playmakers uh, in certain parts of their defense. Um, So I guess I would kind of say I love them passing on a quarterback. Uh, I'm not – I think you guys know I'm – I'll probably lose a point. The uh, Sean Kaiser was terrible, but um, the offensive coordinators there aren't good. Head coaching isn't good. I think it's really hard to be a good quarterback or really be good at any position when you don't have the proper leadership up front to really hopefully to, to get you there. Um, I feel like if they take Sam Darnold, there's going to be a big learning curve for him because there is no leadership there. So I think the best play for the rounds would be take, to take Saquon Barkley. And then since you have the fourth pick, if one of those guys is still available, if you really, really are that the gung-ho about taking a quarterback, go ahead and take it. I hate it. Because I think you can get Saquon Barkley at four and get the best quarterback that you have on the draft board, obviously, at number one. Look, the Browns need a quarterback. They still need a quarterback. Will they mess it up? Probably. 
But if they have the number one pick, they have the best chance at getting the best guy because everyone's going to be available. Looking at the top four, you got Browns need a quarterback. Giants need a quarterback, um, most likely. Colts don't need a quarterback, but also need a lot more than the running back position right now. Browns again at four. They could get Barkley and Darnold Allen, whoever they want, and get them both going one through four, but it's a lot safer to take Barkley at four than it is to take him at one because you might lose out on the quarterback that you really like. So to Jesse's question, I hate it, but I do love the idea that they still mess it up and will probably take the wrong quarterback at number one because they haven't been able to evaluate a quarterback forever. And holy crap, they took Deshaun Kaiser over Deshaun Watson last year, which I I, I will never, ever let them live that down. Could they be that dumb? And that the answer is... Yes, yes, they could be that dumb and do the same thing over again because it's the Cleveland Browns. But I still think they need to take a quarterback first overall, and then they still can get a very good to elite player at the number four pick. I I don't know. I just feel like uh, th- there's like enough QBs to where you know four. There's going to be one I, that I I think like the top three. You're just kind of crap shooting who you think the best is going to be. At least give your ch- give yourself a chance to get all three of them if um, you want. <laughs> I guess I. I, I don't think Barkley will be there at four. I, I think if he falls past Newing, uh, uh, I guess someone past, could trade up to him. They could trade up, but the I mean, to be honest, the Giants I believe would um, be more interested in him than a, a quarterback with the uncertainty. I think they're more interested in the idea of um, uh, Manning um, and then possibly bringing Case Keenum because there was that pos- that that rumor out there that he um, Shermer the new head coach of the Vikings and Keenum were a package deal. So it's quite possible they already have their quarterback. Uh, I don't think he may, makes it past till four, but right. uh, if you can, that's, that's be, awesome. Be a great one. Yeah. That'd be a great one too. getting your, uh, possibly getting, Oh, ruining a quarterback's future and then getting a, a running back. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, next um, we have one more game with the coaching staff in New England, as is, and then it's going to kind of blow up. You're going to lose your defensive coordinator, Rashad. You're going to lose your offensive coordinator. Yeah, I know, Jesse. We talked about this. Uh, Matt Patricia's (sighs) going to Detroit. Um, You know, I'm sure um, Josh McDaniels is going to go to the Colts, and in a year and a half he'll be back coaching for you guys on the sidelines. Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With that said, love or hate, Matt Patricia will be more successful than Josh McDaniels in Detroit. Ooh. Um, hey, um, I, the Josh McDaniels will be more successful. No, the, the, okay. Yeah. Patricia no, will be more absolutely. successful. Yeah. Hey, um, I, I look at the, the fact that man, McDaniels is going to a position to where it's an incredibly wide open division. Uh, the Texans may be great, but they also may take a step backwards because now people have more tape on Deshaun Watson. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars may take a step back, especially if Blake Bortles is their quarterback. They're going to have a much tougher schedule than they had last year. The Tennessee Titans are, you know, we'll wait We'll wait and see what their head coach has in store for them as far as their new offensive coordinator. The Colts are the one team with the best quarterback in the division. Uh, they are going to have a relatively easy schedule because it was like a last place schedule in that division. So they're going to be able to play a bunch of easy games. Hopefully they're going to be able to really work Andrew Luck back in there. And then I look over at the NFC North and the fact that Green Bay is going to have their their trigger man and Brett Favre coming back. And then you have to look at the fact that Minnesota is probably going to come back knowing that they uh, are going to be more competitive. Than they were. Mind you, this is the second year in a row Minnesota's been good. So this will be the really the year from Minnesota to, to show that they are one of the elite in the NFC North. And then the Bears, we'll see. I guess that's the one team that the the that the Lions will definitely be better than. But also look at the Lions roster. The heck, the fact they have the second best quarterback in that division in uh, Matt. Uh, 
Bryant or Matt Bark. What's, what's, what's the guy? What's his? Matthew Stafford. Thank yeah. you. you know, so Matt Stafford is the second-best quarterback in that division. But still, man, Green Bay is – they got Aaron Rodgers. So until somebody unseats Aaron Rodgers, that division looks like it's all the way locked up. It looks like the Tennessee Titans could be the front-runner for the AFC South. But I still think the Colts can go in there and sweep that out. Um, I love this, that Patricia's going to be better than Josh McDaniels because – I really think the Lions are actually set with a pretty good team already who just needs the right coach to tweak some small things that they're doing and kind of push them that last step to get them into the playoffs in the NFC North. Now, obviously, their offense is really talented. Uh, you're mentioning Stafford there, Rashad. He, he's still a very, very good, I'm not going to say top, but second-tier quarterback. They've got good receiving. They've got a decent offensive line. They needed to figure out their running game a little bit. But the thing is, is their defense is actually really underrated. It's a good defense, but now with a defensive-minded coach, might be able to give them a little bit of an extra push to get them to be maybe not an elite defense, but a very good to great defense in the NFC North. And the reason I don't trust McDaniels is, frankly, because the Colts' roster stinks. The Colts don't have a good team. They are years away from being a competitive team across the board. Now, they, if Andrew Luck is there and healthy, he can win them four or five games himself, and that can get them into the playoff picture. But everything else on that team sucks. It really does. They don't have an offensive line. Their defense is bad and old. They don't have a good running game right now because Frank Gore is 96 years old. They don't, they've got T.Y. Hilton, and that's it, in the receiving core. They've got nothing. So at least Patricia's going to a team that has a lot of talent. And that's why I love that he'll be able to be the guy who has the most uh, success this year. There you go. Mike Lynch with a one-point lead going to the final round. Nice. Just thought I'd give you guys a little heads up there. That makes me happy. Uh, I bet it does. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, let's just throw a Super Bowl one in there just for kicks and giggles because I'm sure by this point next week we'll be all super bowled out and maybe i'm pulling out some other stuff or we're thinking post super bowl or something for love it or hate it so with that said love or hate the philadelphia eagles will put up more offensive yards but the new england patriots will win super bowl 52 mm, hate. <laughs> hate i mean i i would really like to you know to say that Nick Foles comes out there and has a repeat game. But um, I don't know. The one thing, the, the Brady throws the ball a lot in the Super Bowl. And he especially likes to throw the ball a lot to their running backs. Like, that's a part of New England's run game is that short passing game. Like, it's not necessarily a lot of handoffs and stuff. They do a lot of screens and bubble screens to a lot of their running backs. And so that's how they get most of their yards. You're looking at Rob Gronkowski. He's going to play in the Super Bowl. He's, there's, there's no chance that he doesn't play. Um Man, Brandon Cooks looked like he had his first good game of the playoffs last week. And then you look at um, at uh, Amendola, who, man, had the best game of his life that was last weird. week. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all these things, and I'm looking at this Philadelphia offense, and we don't really know what we're going to get all the way. Like, we saw them the week before, and they just barely won their playoff game. And then they came out the following week, and they put up 38 points. So we don't really know what you're going to get from this uh, from Nick Foles and company. Uh but I don't think there's a chance that they put up more yards than the Patriots. I love it, Jesse. I think that's a great, uh, great thought on the, on the game because the Patriots defense is still not very good. They've played better as the year has gone on, but they are not a very good defense. And the Eagles offense is very, very good as proven against a much better defense than the Vikings last week. Um, the Patriots don't need the stats to go in their favor to win this game. All they need 
is a little momentum at the right time, maybe forcing a turnover, maybe getting a little bit lucky from the refs and getting uh, some penalties called against the Eagles. Um, because I really view this Eagles offense as something that can get 400, 500 yards this game, score 26 points, and lose 30 to 26. You know, one, one of those kind of things because the Patriots get a, a defensive touchdown or a kick return touchdown or just something lucky happens to them or I maybe mean, not lucky, but it feels lucky, but it's just them getting getting their points at the right time of the game. I don't think Nick Foles is a Super Bowl, Super Bowl winning quarterback, but I do think the Patriots defense will give up plenty of yards to the Eagles. So, love. All right. That said, and uh, good energy coming out of there the end you just stole it from a one point victory there mike nice Ugh. damn you lynch <laughs> Whatever, i was dude. worried i heard all the points ticking for you in the in the last uh conversation there and i was like man i gotta have an opinion on this now. whatever dude it was the it was the first round that was the big difference maker you outscored yeah, him by one killing. point nice very nice all right so i got to host the last segment um and we're actually kind of on time Ooh. Totally. okay well, let's figure out what it's going to be, and we'll tell you next here on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. One final segment here. And let's talk some Blazers. I did say earlier in the show we should talk a little Blazers. They're playing better right now than they were at least a couple weeks ago. Winning at home again. They're still only the seventh seed in the West, but it's so jumbled up down there. They're kind of they're only a game or two away from the five seed. They have won five of their last six games, granted against some easier teams, but still five of six, including a win over Minnesota, which was a very good win. And Rashad and I were just having this conversation in the break, and, I, and we can bring it on the air. I'm certainly in, intrigued by it. And... There's, there's becoming almost a divisive portion of the fan base with Blazer fans of the Dame-CJ debate. Because I think right now we have all realized that this team will not win at a high level with both of these guys on the team. They are too similar of players. Neither of them are particularly good at defending. Mm-hmm. CJ is actually worse than Dame in defense right now. And I just don't think this experiment will work. So... It's turned into a debate now of do you trade CJ to get a quality player back? Because, frankly, that's the only player you can trade to get a quality player back. Or do you or do people like CJ more? I've seen on the text line a lot saying they like CJ a lot more than Dame right now in terms of the future. And I could not disagree with that more, that, that thought more. Mm-hmm. To me, Damian Lillard is your guy. Damian Lillard is your franchise player. He is a scorer. He goes into the paint. He shoots from three. He gets, he's averaging like seven assists a game. He rebounds. He's actually improving on defense. Say what you will about it. It's better than it has been. He's a leader in the, in the locker room. He's trying to get Yusuf Nurkic under his wing, teach him how to be a better player, smarter player. He has done that with other players before. He's also the good face you need for your franchise in terms of out in public, right? How he represents your your franchise in the media. CJ, to me, is a better scorer than Dame, right? He scores from literally everywhere on the on the floor. He's got the great teardrop floater. He's got great jumper. 
hits a lot of threes. Doesn't get into the lane quite as well as Dame does right now, but that's part of his game. But beyond that, to me, CJ is an empty player beyond the great scoring. Mm. There, CJ is a there's a dime a dozen of CJ McCollum's in the NBA. There's a bunch of amazing scorers who can score from all over the floor. But what else do they bring to the team? Right? I love CJ. I love watching him play. But if we're talking about the future of this Blazer team and who needs to go in order to make the team take that next step up, to me, it is easily CJ McCollum because of that fact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would I would agree. You know, there was a time, I want to say last year, to where I was saying, man, I think CJ might be a little better than Dame. And then this year, Dame kind of made a bit of a of a turn. I'm not sure if it was him going vegan or whatever the case was, but um, he looks like a more aggressive um, version of himself, but in a he's trying know, in a good way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and in, in, in a good way though. I mean, sometimes more aggressive for a lot of people means jacking up more shots. Uh, that's not necessarily the case for Dame. He's been a, a little more patient about you know kind of uh, getting things done, and because of which he's averaging more assists. He's averaging a few more rebounds. You know, he's taking uh, much better shots. The the worst. I couldn't stand, I still can't stand the the, the pull-up from like damn near half-court three-pointer. That is the most irritating shot of, of Damian Lillard's for me. And I haven't seen as many of, of those kind of heat check moments, you know. Yeah. So, yes, man, CJ is a great scorer. You haven't seen those and he's still averaging 27 points a game yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. CJ is a great scorer. Um, but I think CJ is starting to get kind of frustrated with the fact that he's not being seen uh, as to be as good as Dame. I think the player that CJ keeps getting compared to is Bradley Beal. Well, that's on him though. And the, he needs to, yeah, he needs to expand his game then, not just offensively, yeah. the, if the, he wants to be considered more. The difference between CJ and Bradley Beal is Beal has actually grown into a pretty good ball player. You know, as far as man getting making plays and rebounding and you know uh, getting, setting up things for people on his team, and CJ is just the same you know, kind of tunnel score. You know, that's what he has tunnel vision as far as him in the basket. And that's kind of what he wants to do, you know. So, and that's kind of what makes that that duel. I think the duel that the Blazers keep getting compared to most is John Wall, Wall and, Beal. and Bradley Beal. Well, John Wall is clearly a, a better point guard than Damian Lillard is. That's what the, to the difference between the two is. Dame is a great scoring guard. John Wall is a great point guard. Bradley Beal is a great two guard, is a good two guard. CJ is a good scoring guard. You know that that's just it, he doesn't do make a lot of those other plays the other that the other guys make. So, yeah, I think CJ is getting to a point to where he feels like I think he's starting to feel like maybe he wants his own, maybe he wants his own thing. I think he looks at Dame and go, "Why don't I get that same, uh, same love?" Because you're not I think as good. We see it well, like, man, that's why you don't. Get it. I I think there's one thing that I love to bring up um, in these conver- types of conversations, and that is the things you can't quantify on a stat sheet. Like, you know, CJ, you do a great job of filling up stats. Um, Dame does a great job filling up stats too, but there's one guy that you look at in that locker room. If you took him out, you would be wondering who is going to lead this team. There, There's one unquestioned leader within that locker room, one person who probably speaks and everybody shuts up and listens, and that's, that's Dame. That's not CJ. And so if you have two guys that you have as assets that you can move to try to improve your team, make it more well-rounded, more well-rounded, exactly, you have to pick between these two. And in which case, even if maybe CJ's a slightly better scorer, but like in all these other things, Dame is a little bit better. And that comes down to his leadership on this team. And that is something you can't quantify in a stat sheet. And it's something you can't pinpoint. It's just something that you got. It's it, right? And And he has it. 
it, remember last year when Andre Drummond was on the trade block and there was the report that the Pistons offered Drummond straight up for CJ McCollum? You do that right now? You do that trade right now? Probably. Yeah. And by you, CJ goes to, to Detroit and becomes the guy. You know what I mean? That's kind of what he wants to do. And but he probably Eastern, doesn't make Detroit that much better, too. But in the Eastern Conference, yeah, absolutely. As a scorer, he'd be their best scorer today if CJ went there. He's their best player right now, including if Drummond's there. He'd be their best player today. I was actually just thinking about him going to that team just yesterday randomly, and he's all of a sudden he makes Detroit a, a good team. Well, you wonder, too, about the, uh, the potential trade market from this year where the Jimmy Butler deal happened and the Paul George deal happened. Wonder if they had included CJ in those talks, if maybe they get Jimmy Butler or Paul George. How much better would that team be? What's to say they didn't? Because it is reported that, um, you know, that they tried, you know, they, they, they tried, they, but they didn't make it happen. And, and that's probably because what it was, uh, Olshay apparently refuses to trade CJ. Okay. Love CJ. Cause they had the best, um, they, they had the best offer, I guess, to get it wasn't Butler, it was um Paul George. Paul George. And they it didn't happen because they didn't want to keep him in the West. Well, also because Kevin Pritchard hates the Blue. Yeah, that's true. A little or, bit of a personal he, vendetta there. That's the reason, yeah. Wouldn't you? Vendetta. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would hate him too, especially the way they treated him. Yeah. There you go. Um yeah, I just I wouldn't I don't think CJ was in that deal. Um because remember it was uh it was a really kind of weird deal that uh that got Paul George to Oklahoma, right? Now Granted, Victor Oladipo is actually playing really well for Indiana, but it was one of those really, really strange deals that kind of that kind of happened with that. So, uh, anyway, that's our little Blazers segment for the day. And that's going to do well, it. All right, us. we got a little Blazers talk in there, right? Yeah, got a little got a little Blazers talk in I there. I like it. Um, Seems weird to do. We haven't done it in so long, man. I know. Well, we're going to get a lot more Blazer talk coming up when uh, when when we get after the Super Bowl in a week or two. But that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we uh, we will have a full Super Bowl show next week where we will preview literally everything we can about the Super Bowl. And uh, we will talk deep dive on the game. I don't know, I don't know how much time we're going to spend on the storylines of the game. Maybe a little bit because we got two hours to, to do a show on it. But we're going to go deep dive on the game, break it all down, get you ready for the final football game until August. Mm. How's that feel? Oh, that sucks. Man. <laughs> I know, right? Jeez. I'm ready. I'm ready for a little college basketball, though. I'm ready for a little NBA. I'm ready for a little baseball. Don't eh. want to watch any college basketball. It sounds awful. Eh. Sounds awful. I know Jesse's not ready. Come on, XFL 2020. <laughs> we could talk about that, too. All right. That's going to do it for us. Again, uh, find us on Twitter at 1080TheFan, at MikeLynch27, at TaylorMade503, and at, at Jesse Osman, A-S-Z-M-A-N. We'll be back next week, 9 to 11. Have a great rest of your Sunday. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.